You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. All right, so that's church. That's all we got for you today. I'll tell you right now, it's a good day when you can put a Gangster's Paradise up in that piece right there. That's good. I may or may not know almost every word to it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to tell you right now. I was doing church while I was listening to it. I promise you. It was good, man. It's so good to be up here, man. Uh, man, I'm just excited. We have a great weekend for you. We're already off to a great start. Um, but I do need your help. Okay? I got a favor to ask. Can y'all help me out with something? All right. Uh, here, here's the deal. When you guys have something great going on in your life or something that you're struggling through, and it's a very big stress in your life, you guys will come to us from time to time and say, hey, hey, we need your help. Whether you're getting around your volunteer leaders, maybe it's something uh, to the point where you say, you know what, we, we need to get the elders of the church together. That's what scripture tells us to do. When you, when you have something going on, get the elders of the church together, pray over uh, whatever challenge it is that you have to get the breakthrough that you're needing and expecting, right? And you guys will do that from time to time. Uh, And and scripture also says where two or more are gathered, it will be so. Okay? I need your help this morning. Uh, As a part of this whole transition, when we had that transition weekend, one of the things that we requested from you guys, uh, from myself and Macy, from the Turners, is that we need a partnership here. Uh, We need you guys praying for us. We need you guys covering um, us and so one of the things that um, I need your help with is I need some prayer and uh, You know, there's a couple things that I want to get you up to speed on at the same token I kind of want to use it as a teaching lesson to let you know that it's just not what we talk about We live it out as well um, You know after that transition weekend um, Is the, the very next week is when my father passed away. I Don't think that's a coincidence. Okay Uh, Since then, what has happened is uh, every time I speak, conveniently, only when I speak, I get debilitating headaches. Uh, I'm not a headache person, never struggled with headaches, Um, but uh, last weekend, I didn't speak, no headache. Weekend before, I spoke, crazy headache, worst headache I've ever had in my life. Thursday of this week, headache start. So there's obviously something going on there. Uh, Meg and Luke have experienced some uh, stuff as well. Uh, since all this kind of stuff has happened, Meg has experienced ovarian cyst week after week, or month after month. Uh, and the best way I can describe that is basically kind of like passing kidney stones every single month. It's really what it is. Um, Luke has been in his bed for pretty much three weeks straight. Um, he's got some back issues where his C5, C6, and some of his uh, C7 uh, it's having some major issues, and so uh, having some difficulties there, but uh, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is this week, he's going to go in for spinal surgery uh, because he hasn't been able to get out of his bed. Hey, here's why I raise all those issues, and, and it doesn't just stop there. Janton, who's obviously playing beautifully behind us, has crazy stuff going on in his family, so it's just not your top-level leadership, but it's leadership. And So here, here's what I want to ask of you is uh, I need some prayer, And I want you to join with me because as I see it, there's a few more than two here. What I see is there's an army sitting right before me and what we have is we have a pray first culture. Scripture tells me that is my weapon. And so I'm here before you asking, let's get the weapons out. 
and let's kick some tail. Okay, so I'm going to do that, um, but understand, I, I'm, I'm not telling you all this so I have a woe is me moment, okay? Because I want you to understand my demeanor in this whole thing. I understand, you know, I, if I can just be honest with you, I didn't honestly really ask for this position that I'm in. Actually, I ran away from it. I didn't think that this was my title, so it's not that is what I'm seeking, um, but here's what I know is we're ticking a particular person off. The enemy is not happy with what's going on. Do you know how many salvations have happened in the past few weeks here? I think what you just saw on the stage is evidence of the life changes happening. And so the enemy would love nothing more than to make your, the leaders of this church absolutely miserable, get us off our game to the point where we just don't want to do it. Can I tell you right now, a simple daggone headache ain't going to stop me from bringing my A game this morning to you. It can pound away all at once. You notice I wasn't on the front row, I was in the back. It just hurts. I don't care. I'm going to bring my A game because the Lord has a message that I am so pumped to give you because I think it will shift your mind about Psalms 23. So here's what it is. When this kind of stuff happens in my life, my antennas go up because I know God's getting ready to do something great. When this happens in your life, I know it happens in your life. I talk to so many of you guys on the weekends. Your antennas should go up. You should get excited because God's getting ready to do some amazing things in your life. Amen? So if, could you do me a favor? Everybody stand up real quick. Everybody stand up. And we're going to pray, specifically I want to pray uh, around Megan and Luke, especially the surgery that, that Luke is undertaking this week. Uh, but I, I want to re-up the battle a little bit for you guys. As we go into and continue to go into the season, I know that there are hundreds if not thousands of lives over the coming weeks, over the coming months that are going to be filing into this place needing desperately a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to commit to you, I'm going to do everything in my power, God willing, to usher that in. But we need your help. Okay? So let's join together as warriors of a body of Christ to believe that that's going to happen. Amen? Let's pray. Let's cover it. Lord Jesus, if you just extend your hands out. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just love you so much. And here's what I know, God, is that there is nothing that this world can throw at any one of us myself included, that you can't handle. And so, Father, first and foremost, we give it to you. Before we chase anything in the natural, before we chase anything, before any surgery happens, anything in this physical world, we turn to you first, God. We know that everything that we uh, handle in this life is not against just flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. So, Father, we turn this over to you. And not only do we know a victory is going to come, but we're expecting, and I, I praise you in advance for the victory that's going to happen, not only in our lives, but in this church. Father, what you're birthing inside of this church, I, I'm just so stoked for. And so, Father, we know that this is not a setback, but this is just the beginning of launching us into so many lives changed for your kingdom. And so, Father, as a church, we stand firm, arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, and we just receive everything that you want to do through the lives of this church and through every single one of us individually, every single one of us online. Lord, would you continue to do a mighty work right here in the low country of Charleston, South Carolina. And everybody in this church, including everybody online, said...
Amen, amen, amen. Come on, Leah, let's give it up. Thank you guys so much for doing that. And before you sit down, I know you've standing up for a little bit. Let me get you to do one more thing. Just stand up, and here's the reason why. we got a nice little highlight video, right? We're getting ready to launch into part two. We're already way late, but I'm going to launch into it, all right? Here we go. Y'all ready to hear God's word? Let's read. It's only six verses. If there's, any, is there, if there's any verses or chapters in the Bible, and I understand if you struggle with memorization or everything, this is one that you want to put your effort into, okay? So can we, can we stand and just, I want you to listen. Say these words in your head. But part of why we do this is when we stand like this, historically what has been done is it shows honor to God and his word. And so with that being said, can we dive into the word this morning? Here's what it says. Listen to these words. Say them in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, church, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Everybody says it. Come on. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. You can be seated. Yeah. Give it up. All right, today we, I'm going to fly, hope you can stick with me, get your notepads out if you're ready to roll, all right? Today we are at the halfway mark of Psalms 23, and right off the rip, I don't know if you noticed it, it, but there's a difference between the first half and the second half. The first half is more about he leads. He leads me to lie down in green pasture. He lead, he restores my soul. And, and in verse 4, we see this difference of it moves personal. David, the author, he begins to, to speak to the ultimate shepherd, talking about God, and, he, and he's speaking to him directly. He says that, that, um, that you are with me. And that's where we're going to pick it up is, is in verse 4. And here, here's what he says to God. He says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, I hear people all the time say, you know, I, I want to be the best, man. I, I want to be the most successful. I, I just want to be on the top of the mountain, right? I, I, as Christians, I hear this so often of, man, I, Dave, I just want a better relationship. I want a better relationship with God. I, I want to be on the mountaintop with God, living my best life. I'm tired of all the troubles. I don't want any troubles in my life. I'm tired of living in the valleys. I don't want any more valleys. I just want to live on the mountaintop. And it's like so often we want to live life jumping from one mountain to the next, skipping as many valleys as we possibly can in our life. And what ends up happening is we envy the people who seem like they've ascended to the heights that we want to be ourselves. And now don't hear me wrong. It's not wrong to look up to people. There's many people in this, in this world that I look up to. In fact, I, I think it's a great thing. 
especially if our motives are right and, and the reason that we're looking up to them is because of the godly characters. I, I, I like the godly qualities that I see when you're raising your family. There, there's motives there that are good to have in check. But what ha- happens is people so often get mixed up uh, or, or they get a mixed up view of how this takes place. Unfortunately, in our society, most of us, we just want a quick fix, right? We've got that microwave mentality, right? Want to pop it in there, 30 seconds later, I'm ready to roll. And it's like we want to be airlifted out of the valley, not go through the journey, but just be placed right back up on top of the mountain, ready for my best life. Only to realize after many failed attempts, this isn't how life works. In fact, it's not how the Christian life works. And the more that we understand this, this, this shepherding mindset and the way of doing life, we realize that the only way to higher ground, the only way to get to those mountaintops is by climbing and going through the valleys. So Dave, what, what is this verse talking about? It says, even though I walk through the valley, even though I walk through life's darkest times, even though I walk through life's darkest challenges, culture, society, or really just whatever life can throw at you and I, even though I just went through my darkest time last night and this morning, because I realize there's some of you, that moment is happening as you're sitting in these chairs. Even though you're in your valley, and you say, I I just don't feel like I can get out. I don't see the end. Because when you're in the valley, it is. It's hard to see the lay of the land. You're in the valley. You're not up on the top. Even though all of these challenges are going in our lives, Scripture tells us, I will fear no evil. I don't need to fear something bad happening in my life. I don't don't need to fear the bad things in my life or the bad times or the hard times or the dark times in the valley of the shadow of death. Shoot, for that matter, I don't don't even need to fear death itself. Why? Every Easter, we remind ourselves, hey, even he took care of that when he died on the cross and defeated Satan and rose again. We don't have to even deal with that. But here's what I want to do. I want to take a second to make sure that we understand the importance of the valleys in our life. I want to make sure that we're not missing that that, that piece of the puzzle of what God does in our lives in our hardest times, okay? Because here's really honestly the thing, and this is, this is my heart. As a pastor, I truly do hate to see when, when you have to go through these time periods of life. I, I, I truly, I empathize with you, but just like what you just saw me display to you guys, I get excited at the same time. Because I know what God's getting ready to do in your life. And if you can just walk through the valley properly, you're going to walk through the valley so much of a better person to handle what God has for you on the other side when you get through the valley and back up onto the mountaintop. That's what I get excited for. And that is so often what my prayer is for you guys when we're not together, when I'm just home. And I'm saying, God, can you please, I know they're going through this, but I know that you've got, a, you've got such greatness for them. That's my prayer. You remember the verse in Romans where it says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So so let me take just a moment to show you how God works in the valleys of our life 
for our good through, through the lens of what Psalms 23 offers, through the shepherd mentality, okay? So the first one is easy. It doesn't really take much explanation, but it's worth noting, is that it's the best route to our destination. It's the best route. If I want to go from one mountaintop to the next, I don't want to have to go all the way around. It's a very long route, right? So it makes sense that the best route is to simply go down into the valley right up on and I can get up onto those. It's the best route from mountaintop to mountaintop. But in that journey, there's two things that get highlighted that is very important for us to learn. The first one is this, is that this is the location, the valley is the location of where the water is. And it's, it's where sheep can find continual refreshing water in the middle of a hot, dry desert. If you remember from the first message, it says that he leads us beside still waters. Water representing life. Water representing energy. When you just have no energy to accomplish what you feel like God has called you to do, yet when you draw on him, he gives you the energy that you need to take on the mission that he has for you. Water representing the vitality of life. And, and I just want you to think about, you know, the last time if you, you've been dehydrated. It's not fun. You, don't start, you start seeing a little funny. You're getting a little weak, right? But remember, think of that first sip of water that you have. It's like the moment it hits your lips, you can feel it go all the way down into your stomach. And it's so refreshing. The same thing is true in our spiritual life. We need spiritual water just as much, if not so much more. We need a continual touch of God in our lives to stay filled. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when that is you, when you're that kind of person, when you're chasing after righteousness and hungering, you will be filled. When you journey through the valley, what you don't do, you don't just take a sip of water and then you're done for the rest of the journey, right? No, what you do is the, the, the water is flowing through the valley and you stop off frequently. You stop off all the time. You need a little break. You stop off. You take a break. You get another sip. And so you keep doing this thing. It's a continual refreshing and the ability for God to refresh you and restore you in these moments of our life when it's tough doesn't happen with just one sip. But it's the continual habit and the consistency of going back to the water, going back to the source that can refresh you, that can restore you. Third thing is this, is that it's the valley is the location of the richest food. Along the banks of any water, you're going to find better vegetation, right? And so what happens is an experienced shepherd not only knows that this is the quickest way, that it's the best way, but they also know that the valley is where you can find the best resources for the journey ahead. A shepherd knows that once it gets to the mountaintop, the journey isn't over. It actually has a long journey ahead. And so the valley serves as a place where you can get the resources. Did you know that God knows exactly not only what's going on in your life right now, but what's ahead? And it's when we're in these valleys that when we tap into this that God says, hey, I know you think this is the biggest thing in your world. Oh, but I'm getting ready to give you the resources that's going to launch you once you get up onto the mountaintop. This is the location. Strength can be found in the valley. 
Courage can be found in the valley. Confidence can be found in the valley. No matter what it is, I don't care. Actually, I don't, I don't know that there's anything better that can stimulate unshakable faith. That, that, that can grow our faith. You know, when I look back through the challenges of my life, I look back through those challenges, and, and you know what I see? I see God's faithfulness. I see God's gentleness. I see his compassion. I, I see The list goes on of all the things of how I see God's hand just being on my life, guiding, directing. He's in every situation. He's in every crisis. He's in every difficulty that life can show us. And time and time again, in every single situation that I face, I'm reminding of how good God is. That's what happens in the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, talking about God, you are with me. Because you're with me, you can have, I don't know if you picked up on this phrase, but you can have this even though I will transformation happen in your life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, even though I have all this stuff going on, I'll fear no evil. It's a pretty good combination. Habakkuk actually shows this in a little different light. Let me, let me, let me read this to you out of, out of chapter 3. It says this, Even though, pick up how many times you're going to hear this, even though the fig tree have no fruit and no grapes growing on the vines, even though the olive crops fail, even though the fields produce no grain, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty, guess what? I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. You notice this, this even though I will relationship. This phrase is repeated three times. Even though my life is falling apart, even though I don't feel like I have any of the resources that I need in life, I will still be joyful. I will still be glad because the Lord is my Savior. I will not lose my faith. I am still going to rejoice. I'm still going to worship when I show up at church in the morning. And in fact, I'm not going to get sidetracked. You want to know what? When I feel this opposition, the, act, the exact opposite is going to happen. My faith is going to grow and increase during this time. This even though I will mindset Church, it's powerful. It's a powerful cause and effect relationship that every single one of us should practice, should grow in, should follow in our life, and really see the fruit that happens with it. Even though bad things happen, I will still praise the Lord, and I will not let my mind be lost to the enemy. How many times do we get lost up in our head? Oh, this just wasn't happening, right? Even though, no matter how good the world is at throwing stuff at you, even though I will praise the Lord. You say, well, good. Great, Dave. I hear God's with me. That's awesome, right? But tell me, what is God doing? Is he just standing there waiting to, like, give you a hug? Yes. I mean, you can ask him for it anytime you want. He'll give you a hug. He's that kind of God. 
But no, that's not just what he's sitting there doing because the second half of that verse, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, a young shepherd would have taken great pride in hand-selecting their rod and their staff that would have been done to their exact specifications. I wouldn't have done a short rod. I would have done a big old rod, spit it to my six, seven body, right? This rod, to give you a, a, a picture, and I want you to remember these words as I describe. The rod was a physical symbol of strength, of power, of discipline, and it was their defense. Okay, so, so the connotation that Psalms has here, the, the, the picture that I kind of want you to get, if you've ever seen Tombstone, or any Western for that matter, right? There's a, there's a tool, a particular tool, particular set of skills, as whatever that guy's name is, says in his movie. What do every cowboy have? Pistol. It's always right on him. You mess with me? Hey. I'm quick. Quickest in the town. And what, what the, the picture that I get is this rod served the same purpose like a pistol does to a cowboy. It was right on their side. It was always ready to be used. And, and so here's what happens. It is, oh, and, and let me say this. If you crawl, you can think about other stories in the Bible. Think about when Moses was sent, when God sent him to deliver Israel from Egypt. Read that story again. It was the rod that he used that demonstrated the power that God put in Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. It was the rod that as he struck the sea, that split the sea for the Israelites to, to have a dry passage. Spiritually speaking, the rod for us is represented by the word of God. The Bible serves, remember those words that we talked about? The Bible serves as strength, as power, as protection, as discipline, as as as, as a God, as our, our, our ultimate God, our ultimate go-through source. You have anything in life, you have any challenge, pull it out. You're ready to roll, baby. Come on. There ain't nothing you can prove. You ain't, just throw something at me. I already got it. Let's go. Come on. I'm ready. That's the rod. Psalm 17 says it this way, which I think kind of brings it home. It says this. It says that, the, that, that we, talking about us, we're, we're the apple of God's eye. And so when, when someone or the enemy comes and messes with you, messes with your family, they're messing with God's most prized possession. And so we need to get this picture about life that there is no need to worry. I will fear no evil because you're with me. You're protecting me. Your rod and your staff, they're bringing peace into my life. They're bringing comfort into my life. That's the idea here. He, he, he loves you more than you will ever possibly imagine. The staff representing the more gentle side of who he is. Everybody has that picture of the staff with the little hook, right? Everybody, this quite simply symbolizes the Holy Spirit in our life. It, it brings us closer to him. He guides us with it. And if you think about a sheep, when they would get stuck in the thorns, sometimes the, the, the staff was the only tool that he had to be able to gently get the sheep without all the other sheep getting stuck, without him getting stuck. And so you see this thing kind of guiding us, helping us get out of, out of trouble when we're stuck in life. This rod and the staff, they comfort you. 
he continues in verse 5 and he says this, and this is, this is actually the verse that really jumped off the page for me and why I really wanted to bring this series to you, because this, this thing has such great application in your life. Listen to what it says. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What this is talking about is, is God is preparing a banquet for you and me. And now this is a personal banquet. banquet. This is a personal table. And you have to understand culturally over in the Middle East, when, when they wanted to do this, th this would be the way that you would show honor to somebody. And they still do this even, even today. And I'm not talking about we're going to take them to McDonald's, right? We're not, we're not doing that. No, th this is, we're rolling out the red carpet. And I could show you... Anytime that you see people rolling out the banquet for people, when, when even strangers would come, they would roll the red carpet out, and they would have a feast for these people. But here, here's what I want you to understand. It says that I prepare a table in the midst of your enemies. God not only prepares the most lavish table, covered in the finest foods that your taste buds will ever taste in your life. But he does so in the midst of your enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm doing the writing of this verse, if I'm doing the dinner reservations for this table, I don't know that I would prepare it in the midst of my enemies. I would put my enemies over here. Lord, we're going to have a table over here, waterfront. We're going to look at the enemies. We're going to make fun of the enemy. Get a game plan of the enemy, and then we'll go attack. But I'm going to do it on the waterfront, right? I'm going to pick some better people to have around me. But that's not what he did. That's not what he does. It says that he prepares a table right in the middle of the chemo ward. He, he, he prepares a table right in the middle of the room where your family is being torn apart in the toughest argument your family has ever had. He, he prepares a table in the middle of your office surrounded by your most favorite stressful things and stressful people. It's this table that's at the center of every hardship. You heard that song that we were singing about depression and, and, and anxiety. All those, the table is at the center of everything, depression, addiction, sickness, arguments, whatever it is, you name the difficulty, you name the challenges that are going in your life right now, and what you're going to find in the middle of it is the Lord is preparing a table. Can you picture your challenge right now? Can you picture a table that God is setting right in the middle of your enemies? You see, a table throughout Scripture is represented, here's what God wants, it's, it's his salvation. The table represents his salvation, his peace, his presence. That's what he's offering us. In fact, one of the items out of the tabernacle was a table that he wanted to be produced. He gave specific instructions, and he ends that instruction in Exodus chapter 25 when he says this. Put the bread of presence on this table before me at all times. This table that you see being talked about in Psalms is a table of fellowship between you and the God of this universe. So here's, here's what I want to do. I want to make this table kind of come alive a little bit here for us this morning. Let's take a look at it, and let's see how we kind of interact with this table. Come over to the table. 
you realize a couple of things. This is looking good, right? I mean, this is a spread, is it not? I don't know who, this is a talent. My table doesn't look like this at dinner night with the Ammons boys. I'm going to tell you right now, okay? But this is, <laughs> baby, it, what I was meaning is it looks better. You misunderstood, yeah, you misheard me. See, he guides, he protects. Love you. You're taking it in, right? Now, this is a table that is made specifically for you. Your table is going to look different than my table. I'm looking at this table going, hmm, there's some good steak tartare on this bad boy. There's some tuna tartare. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now, there's some good old dry-aged ribeyes. It is it's looking good up here. Got some fruit. Got some, hmm, dark globe. Are y'all getting, getting hungry? Rich. I can tell you're hungry. Catch it. Oh, he got it. She got it. It's good. What do we got here? We got, help me out with it. I call these cold cuts. What do y'all call this? There's a fancy name for it these days. That, a girl, come on. That's it. See, growing up, that was a cold cut, right? We got fancy terms, right? So you're taking in this table, you're blown away by what God is doing. Here's the other thing that you notice is that there's two chairs. What you notice is that there's a chair for God and there's a chair for you. But before you take a seat, one of the things that you also notice is that you're not the only one at this table. See, the enemy's all around you, and this is where the Lord says, I prepare a table. Now these people, these troubles, they're not happy. They're not rooting for you. Right? I would go, and there's so much to say that you could probably feel the hate that these troubles bring into your life. You can even go as far as to say that if they were given the chance, they would be probably some of the first people that would stab you in the back. That is what's happening. It's these challenges, and it's in the middle of the struggle that God whispers on the inside of you and says, Dave, Dave, take a seat. Please, take a seat. Now, ob the obvious answer that you would think as we're in this service, right? You would say, oh my gosh, yes, we're going to take a seat. Yeah, sit. You got all this, brother, you need some help, right? But we can't be so sure that that's going to be our response all the time. You see, we live in such a fast-paced world that so often we don't have time to sit at the table. Oh, sure, we'll, we'll get our phone out and then take a quick picture, make sure we get a little social media post real quick. Hashtag lunch with baby Jesus. Come on. <laughs> All eight pounds, eight ounces of them. Maybe you're in such a hurry that you just quickly grab some and say, hey, Lord, I love you. Seriously, I mean it. Honestly, I really do. Really busy right now. Are you going to be hanging out here for a little while? I promise you I'm going to come back. We have all different reasons and excuses of what we're going to be doing, right? And it seems so obvious that we would sit down but we can't be exactly sure that that's going to be our response. Now, my hope as a pastor is I've been able to transition your mind a little bit of Psalms 23, and you say, you know what, I might choose a little different option. Now what we're going to do is my red flags go up when I, I have tough things going on in my life. You say, you know what, I'm going to sit down. You know, Scripture tells me that I need to rest sometimes. You need to stop, Dave, sometimes. You need to draw close to God and see what he has for you. You need to get close to the water. And so you sit down. Jesus sits down, says, Dave, take a seat. Pour you some water. Okay, let's go. Mm. 
Mm, that's some good water. Mm, that's high pH. What is that, 11, 11.5? What do we got here? Where is this from? And you're blown away. You're blown away by what's taking place. You're blown away by this entire experience that the God of this universe, in the midst of your enemies, is serving you, is preparing you, is guiding you, is protecting you. And the list goes on and on and never stops. And what begins to happen is this, even though I will begins to happen in your life. Even though I have all this, even though I have challenges, troubles in my life, I will sit with the Lord. But here, let me make sure you understand something. Because it's not just about the resources. And yes, God will equip you with every resource that you need. But the important part about this table is not what's on the table, but who you're sitting with. You're dining with the God of the universe. He doesn't promise to get every trouble out of your life. What he does promise is, Dave, I'm, I don't care what you got going on. I'm going to prepare a table in the midst of every challenge you could ever possibly face in this life. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there is somebody here who doesn't want to see you succeed. And that is the problem. The problem is that, 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 that the enemy is constantly working to take a seat at your table. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 5.8. It says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if you and I are not careful, we'll allow the enemy to pull up a chair at a table that he was never supposed to be allowed access to. And how this plays out is it ends up being a battle for your mind. You say, well, Dave, I'm just going to have anxiety. It's just a part of life. No, that's not supposed to be a part of life. And what, what ends up happening is if you buy into this whole thing, what ends up happening is you begin to, to believe lies that are just not true. Maybe you begin to believe a lie that just people are out to get you. That but people are just always trying to trip me up. I can't get up. And what ends up happening is you buy into that. At the end of that lie, at the end of that road, if you go all the way out, you'll actually believe that God doesn't care about you. That you don't have any purpose. Maybe you flip the whole script and you flip it and say, you know what? You know what? I deserve this. Did I tell you that the enemy specializes in pride? You follow that all the way to the very end, and you could convince yourself, you know what? I could do a better table than God could. And you start looking at different things. Oh, I just need more things. I just need more likes. I just need more friends. I just need, need, need. And you always are trying to fill a hole that will never be filled. There's only one individual in this entire world that can fill that. It's God. Listen to me. It's not how life was supposed to be. Allowing the enemy a seat at the table and wreak havoc in your life should not be normal. If you're having that much difficulty in your life, you need to raise the red flag. Please let me convince you. Don't live a life where you stop at Psalm 23 verse 4 where you just wander from valley to valley, he never intended you to camp in the valley. He intended you to walk through the valley. You and only you have the authority to determine who sits at the table. You see, the God of the universe says, I've set a table for you. 
You have the ability to take freedom and control your thoughts and emotions. You don't need to be trapped by fear, by anger, by addictions, by never-ending stress. You don't need to be trapped by harmful thoughts. You're invited to sit at the table with the God of this universe that has been specifically prepared for you and to have the best relationship with him that you could ever possibly imagine. This table that God has prepared for you, it's a table of peace. It's a table of wisdom. It's a table of clarity. It's a table of abundance. Whatever it is that you need in life, God has prepared a table. God's not leading you into the valley. He's leading you through the valley. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table. Come on, give me, some, give me some feedback here, church. Are y'all understanding what I... What, I just feel like God... Hey, give these guys a hand real quick. Thank you, guys. You see, there's a popular verse, and I just want to make sure that we're understanding this. James, or John, uh, whatever, what is it? John, yeah, John 10.10. says this. It says, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's what the enemy says. But in the context of the shepherd, listen to what John 10.10 10 ends in verse 11. It says, I have come to do something different, that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. That's what he does for you and I. That's how much he cares for you and I. Amen? Whole chapter ends, and I'm heading towards the barn now. His verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The picture that Dave has here, David, the author, is that goodness and mercy are following us. It doesn't say that they're leading us. It doesn't say that they're in front of us. That's God's role. God is leading us beside still waters. God is doing Goodness and mercy are behind us. And to stay with the sheep mentality, the picture that I get is like they're sheep dogs. Okay? On the left-hand side, we got mercy. On the right-hand side, we got uh, goodness. This one's over here barking at you, hounding at you. This one's over here nipping at your heels. What are they doing? Why are they doing that? Well, the purpose of sheepdogs is to keep the sheep in the right track for where they need to go. How does God lead you and I? With his goodness and with his mercy leading you every step of the way. He's a good shepherd. Dave, you might be wondering, does, does God ever discipline Yes, but when he does, he does it with goodness. He does it with kindness. He does it with mercy. It's like when I discipline my boys. I don't discipline them and send them off to try to figure it out themselves, right? I sit them down with the goodness and the mercy of what a father should do, and I try to explain to them because I, I just want them to be the best boys possible. And so I take the time with all the kindness that I have that I can explain to them what is going on, what violation they did. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you notice that it doesn't say only on Monday and Tuesday? Only on some challenges that are a little bit easy? No, it says all the... God is good all the time. Church, what does it say? All the time? Yeah, you got that. Well, then why don't I feel that way all the time? And if that's a question you've ever had in life, let me, let me answer that with a question back to you. Where are you putting yourself in relation to the goodness and mercy in the presence of God? 
Because verse 6 ends with the instruction, in fact, the only instruction that Psalms 23 gives us. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Say it with me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and most of verse 6 is all about what the shepherd does. We have one little tiny thing. Notice that in each of those verses, the shepherd does it all. You remember the first week when I brought the shepherd out? About the only thing I can do is give it cute points. Wouldn't do anything. If you remember, I had to actually go pick, messed up my white jeans. They were nasty little dirty feet, right? I had to go pick the sheep up, but the sheep couldn't do anything on its own, right? Sheep couldn't teach you. Sheep couldn't talk to you, couldn't provide for you. Couldn't... Psalms 23 is desperately trying to teach us something. It's trying to show us that the shepherd is the one that does everything. Sheep, us, we can't do it on our own. We need the shepherd, but we do play a part. All we have to do is dwell. All we have to be is in his presence you see, you made an amazing choice this morning to show up, be at church, dwell in church, dwell in his presence. Everybody online, you made a good decision because what you're saying is I'm making a decision that I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Even when I can't show up physically, I'm still going to make it a priority and I want to show up and get in the presence of God. You realize through COVID, this is one of the things that COVID's shown a really big spotlight on. People fell out of the habit of church. People fell out of making church a priority. And what did you see happen in the lives of friends that you had used, used to be sitting right next to you? Their life began to fall apart. When you step away from the house of God, staying in his presence, you can't do it on your own. Can I encourage you with something? You used to have somebody that sit next to you. You used to have a friend that used to be super involved, whether it's just church or another church. I don't care where they go. We have a mandate, not that they go to your church, but that we get people close to God. Call them. Reach out to them. See how they're doing. Love people enough that you actually reach out to them. That's what we're mandated to do. John 16, says this. I have told you these things that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Just keep going. Just keep showing up. Get in his presence, and when you do that, Psalms 23 will come alive in your life. He'll lead you beside still waters. He'll lead you in paths of righteousness. You're not going to have to fear any evil in your life. You're not going to have to fear the troubles and challenges in your life because he prepares a table right in the midst of your enemies. He's going to anoint you. Every bit of God's favor is going to follow you every bit of the life. And guess what? Goodness and mercy will follow you every day of your life. And all we have to do, dwell in the house of the Lord. That's his instruction. So here's how I want to end. Everybody stand up for me, please. I want to pray over you. So if you could, just go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And I want you to put your hands out in front of you. Put your hands out right here in the presence of God. God's presence is here. In fact, everybody, I want you everybody to take a deep breath. Enjoy his presence. Lord, we, we love you. Lord, I love your presence. I love what you do inside 
of our lives in our most difficult times. Lord, I love that. I don't care how big my problem is. I don't care how small my problem is. I know that if I just turn to you, you're going to work things out. It's not going to be by my strength. It's not going to be by my power. It's going to be by yours. Father, would you meet us this morning? God, we need your presence. Lord, we need a touch from you this morning. Father, would you just give us the ability to, to set aside our problems. Lord, we need to enjoy your presence right now. Lord, your word says that in your presence is the fullness of joy. For whatever challenges that every single person in this room, every person online, in your living room, in your car, I don't care where you are, whatever challenges, troubles, enemies, sickness, addiction, you name it, God, you know our challenges. You simply give us one instruction. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Get in your presence. You'll take care of the rest. And so, Father, we give you this morning. Would you fill our hearts? Would you fill our minds with your presence? Because we know that in just being with you, you will take care of our needs. Well, church, I kept you 19 more minutes than I normally like to. But let's look at it this way. You had 19 more minutes of dwelling in the house of the Lord. 19 more minutes of God working on your behalf and you saying, I'll just let God do it. Amen? I bless you with this reality. You serve a good shepherd. I don't care what challenges you have. I don't care what's going on in your life. You have a God who loves you so much that he's going to prepare a table in the midst of your enemies. He's going to prepare you. He's going to take you exactly where you need to go. All we have to do is one simple thing, which is what you're doing right now, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Lord bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. Love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.